It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every Every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Kushak goes down, penalty to Portsmouth and Old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Montari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores yes. for Pompey. They lead at Old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Welcome along to Three Lads in the Pub. This is episode 19 of our podcast. We are towards the end of the season now and uh, time is flying. We're finally back together as well though because it's been a few weeks. Three, four weeks now, isn't it? Must be. Yeah. With the international break. And I believe our now. last actual, the three of us in the pub doing a podcast was after the Wickham game because that was when the 17th yeah. break deck started. Yeah, but we are we are back. Yeah, and we full are, month, pretty yeah. much. Good to be back, and a new pub for us uh, this evening as well. We are at the Festing uh, down on Albert Road, which for me was great because it took me about a minute to get here. Um, <laughs> Ryan, obviously, you've had the longer journey coming from up Fair and Way, uh, but Jeff's here as well. Uh, beer wise, what have you gone for there, Ryan? I've got an icebreaker, the pale ale. Ah, uh, you like a pale ale, don't you? Um, Jeff. I'm on the Moretti. I did look at the icebreaker, um, but I, I went for the Moretti. I don't know why. I'm very kindly from the staff of the festing. Uh, it was it was on the house. Thank you very much. Yeah, very, very kind of them. And, and I've also got... A lot of the pubs actually do that for us as well. Yeah, no. Very accommodating on that basis. They already don't have to be at all, but thank you very much. We appreciate it. I've also gone for a Moretti. Just thought I'd copy you, Jeff, because I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. But yeah, good to be good to be back in the pub, lads, talking about football. And um, unusually, we've got three games to talk about. Oh, right, here we go then. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, it starts on a good note. Yeah, of course. Um, so last three for Pompey, of course. Uh, we're recording this on a on a Tuesday, which is unusual. Uh, Pompey, of course, were in action yesterday against Morecambe. Uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But let's start with the Rotherham game, which, let's be honest, Jeff, actually, what was your prediction for that one? I understand as a loss. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> who, right, be honest, who called that? I think, actually, I think we all tongue-in-cheek said, watch us go and beat Rotherham. We did. We, we, we said that in the Twitter space and said it'd be a typical Pompey thing to do to, to go out and, and get performance. You know, I made that prediction at the turn of the new year. And that was when Rotherham were obviously flying in the league. They, they were beating people for fun. Um, and I haven't gone back and revisited that, that prediction table that I'd done. We all know that since the cup final, Rotherham have been bang out of form. They've been misfiring. Maybe Wembley has, has distracted them. Um, but it's, you know, 
make no bones about it, that was an assured Portsmouth response from that Cheltenham game. We all called for a response, and that was a response. I have to give him credit. My dad, he did say before, he thinks it'll be a good game of football, and he thinks we'll win comfortably, and he was bang on. But did you see that coming, Ryan? I saw the response coming. What I didn't see was Rotherham's capitulation in equal measure, because I knew after Cheltenham, you could tell the players' professional pride had been dented after Cheltenham. The way they came out in the media addressed that game almost as a a metaphor for the entire season in terms of a general lack of quality being far too streaky. I knew we were going to get a puff the chest out, you know, straighten up for the spine performance against Rotherham. What, regardless of the result, I knew we'd get a Pompey team that was going to, to dig in their heels on that one. What surprised me was the level of how bad Rotherham were. And in the case of that, that's not to detract from what was a good Pompey win. I was actually happy that for once we we exploited every single Rotherham mistake. Sometimes we punish one of a series of mistakes and we, we ask the question, you know, what if we were a little bit more efficient in that regard? Against Rotherham, every single thing they did wrong, we pounced on and we punished them for it. So while a lot of that game was influenced by just how they were re- so poor Rotherham they, they were that second half they were almost as bad as when Accrington were down here and we had 10 men against them and same as that day as well any Accrington mistake that they made with 11 men we exploited with 10 men so it was almost a perfect storm for us we puffed our chests out against the Rotherham side that clearly did not arrive in town feeling themselves at all and it was a nice pleasant evening at the park and I, I know some people left with the inclination that oh hello it's it's still alive here obviously everyone knows my my thoughts on our realistic prospects at the time I just wanted to go to Fratton Park after what happened at Cheltenham and enjoy an evening's football and I thoroughly did the players the management team they all responded in kind and they they deserved every boo they got at Cheltenham and they they then earned every single clap they got at Rotherham yeah. and I think that was a good professional response and a good exploitative win as a full-time glory hunter Ryan um, <laughs> what do you think of uh, the, obviously the goal scorers on the day had to be Clark Robertson getting his first goal <laughs> against his former club George Hurst never scored a career goal got one against his former club you can you, you could have put a, put a bet on that and that would have come in yeah George Hurst played in 32 games for Rotherham overall whether it be championship or competition otherwise the problem with those 32 appearances is that most of them were for 15 minutes while Rotherham were already losing if you combine all his minutes together in those 32 games he only played seven full ga- like seven full 90 minutes if you combine it so Rotherham no doubt saw him running all over the defense working hard to get the balls to move it around and thought well it's this guy well earlier in the season he was probably still that guy at Pompey but he's one of those players like Louis Thompson for example that's rewriting his own narrative to try to to shape the future of his career we all thought Michael Smith was going to be the guy who scores against his old club <laughs> except it was for once it was us for once we did it to the other club yeah and that's a nice feeling I, f- I think it, it, it was the Michael Smith we saw at Rotherham in in the away game was the Michael Smith we've we we know since he left Portsmouth the Michael Smith we saw on that Tuesday night was the Michael Smith we had at Portsmouth yeah I think Fratton Park got to him on Tuesday on that Tuesday I think the atmosphere the intimidation in the back of his mind I, I think he thought are oh, the fans going to get on my back we've and, seen and, you and, before. and he started regressing back to that yeah. that player that that didn't hit the height. Well, that's what Fran Park can do to you yeah. on its day. I think I think that is evident in terms of who his partner was for the night, Josh Coyote, who walked away earning quite a lot of plaudits for his performance. I thought in the first half, Coyote was busy, asked the defence some troubling questions, moved the ball about. He was direct, fast, intense. Jorde Ose uh, 2-2 on the left flank had a great game. But the two big performers up top for Rotherham that, this season... Smith for one and Cheog Benny on the right hand side nothing no no influence on the game whatsoever 
And that I think that just made it a more pleasing aspect of the night because you look to those difference makers in games and you think, goodness me, they're, they're going to have their way with us. And to see us partially shut them down, but also them just come a cropper of their own failings. <coughs> yeah, as I said, it was, a, it was a perfect storm that night. Typical cliche here, but Jeff, but obviously the only way you can go from beating a team like we're from 3 0 and, and you say it's, you know, it's, it's a good win is if you go on and win the next game which we did in dramatic fashion, didn't we? Um, Ronan Curtis scoring the winner against Lincoln uh, on the uh, the 15th, the 3-2 win. Um, what was your take on that game? We, we obviously, obviously, everyone said before, Marquis is going to score. Did he even play? Well, we made it <laughs> hard for ourselves. His replacement scored with his first touch, didn't <laughs> yeah. he? We made it hard for ourselves. We, we seemed to weather the storm. We knew it would be a tough game. Yeah, okay, we went 2-0 up. And then we kind of just, I don't know, for whatever reason, took our foot off the pedal, thought this is easy. We allowed them, literally within minutes of scoring our second, we allowed them to get one back. Two minutes. Now, you know, the old cliche, you're always at your at your most vulnerable when you've just scored because of the euphoria and your, in your attention and, and everything else switches off. Because you're thinking about, okay, we just scored, it's brilliant. You're full of adulation, and your mind's not on the on the game. Two minutes later, they they get one back. Then you can just see Lincoln grow into the game. They thought, you know, we can go on and get another. There was one or two shaky performances in that ten to fifteen minute spell after they got their first one. Of course, they equalised, um, and then. As Ronan said in his post-match interview, he'd seen the keeper parry a few shots through crosses that had, uh, had, had come in towards him, and he just gambled. Now, we've talked about George Hurst gambling, we've talked about Tyler Walker gambling, Aidan O'Brien. For once, Ronan Cur- Curtis gambled, and it paid off. So, you know, yeah, great win. We made it hard for ourselves. And it, it, was, it was more enjoyable for me, that win, because I took my little boy for his first game, little five-year-old Joshua, he was, he was absolutely loving it. And when, when Ronan scored that third goal, he was stood on the chair next to me and he was watching, and he was shaking with excitement. <laughs> it was like all of his five Christmases he's had all in his lifetime, but just in that one moment, and, he, and he, it was like, he gets it. You know, he, that's it. That's the big hook that has now caught this fish and he, he, he wants to go to Fan Park week in, week out now. That's what it's all he, about. He, he wants a season ticket next season and everything else. So, yeah, thanks, Ronan. That's uh, another season ticket I've got to fork out for. <laughs> um, so that's that. And then, obviously, you, you, hear, you see people saying, oh, well, even not mention any names, but, oh, we can still do this. Moving on, Brian. Yesterday, <laughs> Easter uh, Monday. Just to wrap up Lincoln before okay, we move sorry. on to Monday. That felt like a game where whoever made the last mistake in the game, it was error strewn on both sides. As much as Lincoln, as many times as Lincoln got to our final third, it was the same amount of times they turned the ball over in their own half. They were a high risk, high reward team and every goal in that game was the result of a massive error. Their keeper was having a howler. Our defense went absent in its own box for both Lincoln goals. It felt like whoever made the last vital mistake before the final whistle would decide how that went out. And it was just, it was basically luck of the draw in who would make the last mistake. Fortunately, it was us. And as Jeff rightly said, it was a hugely entertaining game because of its chaotic back and forth. And you didn't know who was going to screw up next and who was going to take advantage of it. Delighted that Jeff's lad had a, had a good time of it. You, those are the games that you want to be your first game. Not... Nil-nil at home to Wickham with the atmosphere's flat. There are four shots all game. That's the type of game where it gets you off to a really, really good start. I'm going to punish It's only son. downhill after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told him there's lots of heartache to come. Before, before we move on, and I can't believe I was willing to just shadow over this and move on to the next game. What a bloody goal from Jacobs that was, Jeff. Oh. What a finish. Yeah. I called it Pozanecki-esque. It was just... I t- I w- I, I'm gutted I wasn't there to see that because you, re- you don't see a lot of free kicks scored. I think like Curtis, I, I do think that like Curtis, he spotted a weakness in the keeper. So for, for the penalty, <coughs> Wright's foot movement is awful. It's the reason why he dives over what was a 
should have been a poor penalty from Hurst, but yeah. it's a good penalty because it went in. Jacobs has probably seen this guy doesn't move his feet very well. If I go near side, he, he's not going to he's not going to alter his stance quick enough to then get back across. And you can see him take the initial step right, then take another step to stand still, then take a a, a first left uh, left step. By the time he's actually moving in the right direction, the ball's basically on the penalty spot. You know, it's already gone past the ball. It's already halfway towards goal before the keeper's moving in the in the right direction. So J Jacobs, like Kurtz, I think, with another a, a great piece of uh, opportunism there, and the strike as well to boot. Morecambe, you're talking about op I can't say that word. Say it again. Opportun <laughs> opportunism. I don't. I can't do these big words right. I, I, Opportunist? I, no, you you just said it. Opportunism. Opportunism. Sorry, I, yeah, it's too big for me, Jeff. You should know this. What was Sean Raggett doing where he was yesterday? You know <laughs> if it had been a corner, or if it had been a corner which had gone back out of the box and then put back in, you can understand it. But this was open play. <laughs> this wasn't like a recently cleared free kick. He's this done was it a few just, times, though. This I've was just him. open play where he's looked beyond both shoulders and got, you know, I'm just going to go up. I'm going to go up and see what happens. I mean,. I'm not complaining. It was a great finish, but the right foot, fit, the right foot I, touch, the swivel, the left foot volley. I, I joked at the beginning of the season and said Sean Maggot is a better centre forward than George Hurst, and I put that on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he like third in the goal scoring charts yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, we know the end result. It was, it was a one-all draw. We'll talk about the. Uh, the goal in a second but it was nice to see deluded Derek uh, making his points oh, at the end of the game again I mean he's just he's up there in my top five he won't five. change will he no he will never change unfortunately though his post-match comments were correct it's just a, I'm talking about him as squinny as they like oh yeah all of that's all of that's yeah <laughs> we know what uh, Derek's yeah. like but I, yeah they, should they have won the game yes yeah I, I, I think on reflection we got away. We, it was a point gained for us and two points dropped for them. Yeah. If you look at the chances overall, they smacked the inside of the post. They smacked the woodwork. Bazunu made a double save from uh, Ganawi and Stockton. They charged down two Bazunu clearances. One went wide by a whisker. One went over by a whisker. Cole Stockton was laid in by uh, Fane and put it straight at Bazunu. Uh, Bazunu essentially just fell to the ground because there was nothing else he could do and the ball just happened to get stuck between his knee and the floor and stay right there. The chances that Morecambe spurned up, I, I was staggered that they hadn't taken the lead at any point in the game before Raggett scored. I was staggered they hadn't equalised. It was one of those games where I think a lot of people need reminding having more possession of the ball does not equal control. Exactly. We never corralled control of that game in the middle of the park. How many times Morecambe players sauntered through the middle towards the back line, moved it out to the, the flanks and then got the ball in the box. We were uneasy for the entire game. And even though we led for a solid 50-odd minutes, at no one point did I feel that we were leaving with the three points because they kept coming at us. The other thing is, Morecambe before that game had conceded 84 goals in the league. It is a league high. Uh, Doncaster was second with a. I think the Morecambe are now on 85 goals conceded. Doncaster on 81. Doncaster could lose their next game 4-0 and still not have conceded the most goals in the league. That's how many Morecambe have conceded. Apart from Raggett's turn and volley. We had one shot on target in the second half, and I think three shots on target total. We had nine shots all game against the side that's conceded 85 all season. We did not control that game. Morecambe were rampant. They were fighting. They were gutsy. They should have won that, and they they more than earned the point in the end. I think up until the point where Sean Maggot scores, we had had something like 68.68% uh, 68 possession to, to Morecambe's 32 we as Ryan said we'd only had one shot and they had had something like eight yeah and you know every we, time they got to the final third they looked like they could get a shot off yeah you know we all know you know you can dice stats up any way you want to make them look good or or an opposition team bad the truth of the matter is 
we were poor. We we just didn't know what to do with the ball. We it, it was kind of we run out of ideas. We were disjointed, um, and and for all of Morecambe's pressure in those telling moments, they were more more cutting. I thought, especially in the first half, you know. A, a draw is a fair result, but Morecambe should have won that easily by yeah. two or three goals. So over the three games, lads, seven points out of a possible nine. Obviously, you take that any day, but that obviously now does mean mathematically our season is over. Our fate is sealed. What with, with a hot... It is a horrible way to end it because it wasn't as though we'd won and then results elsewhere had ended us. Yeah. Our play... Up until the Jonah Ayunga equaliser, we were still technically in it. Now, as much as we don't believe realistically there was a chance, our mathematical chances of the playoffs were ended by a guy who was at Haven and Waterlooville two years ago, scoring a 93rd minute equaliser from four years out. It, yeah, who was offered a Pompey from four yards out for a relegation scrapper. Fucking miles away, <laughs> five hours away for that to happen, and but they they still earned their point. But that's that's a long drive home, and that's a sour way for it to officially end. And the ghost of Barry Roche has come back to haunt us. It's another stoppage time equaliser at Morecambe. They're not going down. Fun fact: Morecambe have actually never been relegated ever, and it's probably not going to bloody happen now. You, you know, get, you can, you're worse you, than Andy Moon with his stats. You can, ar- <laughs> you, you, you can argue that their equaliser was a foul, but I've, you know, being a ref, I've looked at that that particular goal back probably 20, 25 times now, and I still can't make my mind up whether Cold Stockton fouls Bazunu or Bazunu goes over the top of Cold. Look Stockton. at the one that was disallowed as well. <laughs> what was worse? It, oh, that, that was the one that was disallowed. Oh, was it? Sorry, I uh, that. It comes off Bazunu and Fane actually just sticks his arm and it smacks his forearm. That I is apologize. the clearest only, handle. Only goes to a but good the game equaliser, well, obviously, so. we're, we're right. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was right behind it because I was centre of the goal behind it. It didn't look like a foul at the time. And then the best angle to watch it from is they had one of those GoPro goal cams attached to the posts that holds the net up. I still don't think it's a foul. I think for for an, a goalkeeper that plays for his country, he has the wherewithal to know he should be stronger there. There isn't much. There isn't really much contact there for him to drop the ball like that, and it it detracted from what was a single-handed performance to that point. Some of the saves he made in the first half, he he was the reason we were alive in that game for a long time. So, so that last-minute error is unfortunate, but I don't think it's a foul. But you can allow him to have that error because of the saves he made in the first <laughs> exactly. half. Exactly. That's as good as uh, you know, the goal, really. I think in hindsight, he probably, in his mind, he was probably thinking, I'm going to catch this, waste a bit of time, see the game out. In hindsight, he, he, he got into that dressing room and thinks, fuck, I should have punched that. But there's no way uh, we're blaming Bazzuni for any, for any no, anything. The yeah, season in like general. I said, I've watched, I've watched that game, that, that goal, 20, 25 times now, and I still can't make my mind up whether it's a foul or not. So that, in its own right, it's not a foul. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't make an argument for it being a foul, it's not a foul. No. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, lads. Like we say, our season is is finished. Which, being honest, I think we said it weeks ago, but. What was your prediction at the start again? I've completely forgotten. I, I had ninth through twelfth, and looking, <laughs> it's it's something that got the lottery I, numbers. I've, do you know? I've taken a lot of flack for it recently. It's it's been weirdly relentless. Yeah. Uh, how much shit I've been getting off fans at Why the Cheltenham right? game, the Lincoln game, the Morecambe game. Oh, I've had some, yeah. uh, and I've been getting a lot of flack for for my evaluations of the side. But with three games to go. We mathematically cannot make the playoffs. We're ninth in the table. Oh, what's that word? Correct. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, I mean, <laughs> glory. But go on. I was going to say pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want it. I've wanted so much to be wrong because it's it's a lot of investment for these fans to do up and down the country. Saturday, Tuesday, league and cup. Ten months of the season emotional physical and monetary investment to have an end in Morecambe Bay and look at the support we're getting for Sheffield Wednesday 
already 2,000 gone. 2000. Another 1,000 tickets And let's be honest, a lot supplied. of the fans will know would have known at the point of purchasing the tickets, <laughs> it's just a fun day out. There's no, there's no, it means nothing. But that's what happens. Pompey fans will always stick by their team. You know, this this break it down why it, it was quite. I thought bizarre. Well, not bizarre. Bizarre is the wrong word to use. Danny Cowley at the beginning of the season said they wanted international players. They wanted a certain type of player. The reason why they wanted those international players is because it gave the team more breaks so they could be more refreshed. He then says last week, oh yeah, I think we need to look at international players and the international breaks because I think <laughs> it's hindered us. So what is it? Is that hindsight Danny coming in? Yeah. Or did we always know this? And in fact, like, when you rack up international breaks along with, with some COVID breaks, along with the injury-prone players we've signed. Now, actually, as Ryan says, our season has been streaky for a reason, because we've had no consistency. We put a run of games together, and then we break. We put another run of games together, and then we break. So, so this, this form, and I do think, and I know we'll, we'll do an end-of-season review, but I do think we are slightly unlucky this season. Because we could still get, say, 73 points. Highly unlikely, but we could. Any other season, that sees you in sixth place of the playoffs. This league is only going to get stronger. This league is going to need 78 to 85 points to make the playoffs. It will. League One is the most competitively, and I'll, I'll go on record as saying this, as probably the most competitive league now in world football. Yeah, I mean, I look, at, look at Jacket's first season. We had 66 points in that season. We were eighth. All of a sudden, we've got more than that, and we're further away from the playoffs with three games to go. It, like you say, it's only going to get worse next The Crucible season. gets worse and worse in this division, and it gets more powerful. That 18-19 season was the real sliding doors moment. If we... Are to pull something off next season, the season after, Jeff rightly points out we are going to have to do it in a baptism of fire. Because we, when we first came into this division, Rotherham, Wigan, Blackburn, that was the three team powerhouse in League One. Double that now, triple that next season. Derby are coming. Yeah, exactly. Barnsley. It's going to be triple that next season. There's going to be a top 10 in League One. <laughs> and then of course and then yeah. of course there there are there are always optics in football there are there are always ways things sound if i was to say the following um let's call it a uh insert sport channel here summary of pompey yesterday x team slim playoff hopes were uh officially ended with a 93rd minute equalizer away at morecambe which League One team would spring to mind as being the recipient of that? Accrington? They're always a sturdy little League One team that sometimes flirts with an outside chance of the playoffs before inevitably they get dumped out of it. Not Pompey though, but that's what we've become. We've become this mid-table mediocre side. For the last three games of the season, we get to watch a really good playoff race. But that's the problem. That word right there. Watch. Why are we watching it? Now, again, I've been taking shit for this. I don't care. I dare anyone to find anywhere on my blog, on this podcast, on Twitter, anywhere where I've said we should be promoted this season. We should make the playoffs this season. I dare anyone to find where I've said that. The only thing I want of this Pompey team is to have a chance on the final day. That's the only thing I wanted this season. Final day of the season, I wanted to be no more than three points away. Because after 46 games, 4,140 minutes, 8,500 miles of travel, 10 months, <laughs> one email. Sorry. All I wanted was this team to be involved in relevant football. And these players do. Do you think they want to fucking go up and down the M6 500 times to be an afterthought after all this time no they don't they want to be involved on the final day playing important football but we're three games and 10 points shy of that already 
there's a realistic possibility that, well, not maybe not realistic, but there's certainly a possibility that by the time all said and done after game 46, we end up 19 points off the playoffs. It's a, it's a possibility because we're playing a Gillingham side that has something to play for. We're playing a Wigan side who, by the way, Tom Naylor and Jack Watmore could have a promotion party at Fratton Park in front of Eric Eisner, who will be there. Wouldn't that be fun for everyone? <laughs> and then we're playing a Sheffield Wednesday side who have something you know to what? play for. I, I, I hadn't even thought about that until you just said that. That's put it right down. Naylor and Watmore night. could celebrate promotion in front of an Eisner. On our turf. Brilliant. <laughs> that, so Jonah Ionga ends our season and Jack Watmore gets to lead the Wigan celebrations at Fratton Park. And you wonder why that fans are just thinking. The, I've so many conversations recently, so many fans who you, know, you, you bump into them at games, you have a chat with them. A lot of them, and I know this is bluster from some people because naturally they're just venting frustration. A lot of people are struggling to find the incentive to renew next season. We're in a cost of living crisis. We're in our sixth year in League One. People have to make choices. I've spoken to a lot of people as well and they're unsure. It's going to be interesting next season. I'm renewing because I've got a five-year-old who wants to go. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing uh, before we wrap up, I remember you talking about um, being streaky and obviously we were, on a, we were on a great run that started after that Oxford defeat. After we beat Accrington and Crew. Actually, no, I think it was after Accrington because we did the podcast that Sunday night. You two, and I still hate you both for this, you bought in on the playoffs. I remember <laughs> you bought in. Crew was our next game. That was our last away win. Crew was our last away win. So everyone was starting to believe in this side's capacity to make a late run. I did caveat after, that with... After Crew, we played one, two, three, four, five away games since then. We haven't won any of them. No. Go, you're going you're gonna to try and justify well, it. <laughs> Go on. I, we did have an international break uh, as well. Yeah. And I did say, I did say, I worry about us, our attacking players misfiring after a two-week break. That's funny, because I'm sure you said, I'm throwing everything in. Fuck it. I did. <laughs> I did. I did, but I, I, I did We'll get the clip, Jeff. I did, I did also say... I did also say I worry about our, our attacking players misfiring after two Look, week deep break. down, none of us. I mean, I don't think any of us right, ever you, truly believed you, it. Yeah, you, I stood my ground with it, but have, I don't but, think deep down me, either yeah, of you no, truly believed it. No, more tongue in cheek than yeah. anything else. Moving on from that. <laughs> no, look, we like like Ryan said. We we all want we we don't want to believe that you know our negative thoughts on this football club but we've it's just well, but, uh, we've been proved right we go we? back to that conversation because after crew were the that was the start of that away triple header in which we had crew Ipswich Plymouth in that order and I said if we if we go into those games and we get them I don't see how you can't buy in I don't see how we can't make it if we get results against Ipswich and Plymouth the five away games since after crew We've scored two goals. One was on yeah. Saturday. That's that's how streaky we are. We were talking about making a last gasp run to the playoffs. We can't even leave a PO postcode now and get a result. <laughs> what what and that's what I question is what had people not seen since before that crew game that they've only just discovered now? We've seen nothing new about this side in the last month or so that we didn't know already. They'll put in a Sunderland, but for every Sunderland at home, there's an Ipswich at home. Yeah, for every definitely. for every Burton at home, there's a Burton away and things like that. It's like the first season we came into League One under Jacket. Yes, we've eclipsed that points total already, but we won 20 games and we lost 20 games for a side that finished eighth. For every great day that we can talk about this season... There's at least one that's that's on the other side of the spectrum to it, and that's why we are where we are. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that prediction table that I I done, we are currently okay. I said a couple will be draws, and we turned out we got wins. You can live with that. I said a couple will be wins, and we've lost. 
okay. But actually, I've only got, out of that run of 20-odd games, whatever it was, I've got four wrong. We're only, we are only two points better off where I predicted we would be. This shows how predictable we are, though, isn't it? Doesn't well, it? That, you know, and, and so, you know, if I've got, if I, if I said it was a loss, like Rotherham was a loss, we've gone out and we've beat, we've beat another team that I had us down as a draw, maybe. Yeah. So, like I said, overall, we're only two points better off. Yeah. Now, we, we, I can't remember what episode it was, we talked about we had to go on a run of all runs and pretty much not lose a game for the rest of the season. Yeah, we'd have to run the table. Yeah. We're just not good enough. No. And what I, what I did the other day, and I don't know why I did it, but I looked at our run of form recently. I don't know if anyone else has done this. And I looked at that sort of blip we had. Well, it wasn't really. I mean, it was predictable, wasn't it? The MK Dons lost, the AFC Wimbledon draw, the Sunderland lost, Charlton lost, Oxford lost. And then we went on a half decent run. We got six wins in seven. I mean, if we kept that, we kept that run going. And I just, I, I hate looking at that because it just makes you think. Hold on, if we'd, well, I've, I've we weren't so shit there, we would have been alright. But yeah, I've seen recently people going, oh well, since X date, uh, we've collected the most points in the division, and if we'd, if we'd done that across the season, we'd be like on eighty-five points. Well. I hate to inform you, but the games that we, the games that we absolutely messed up in January, in October, the points values for those games are the same amount of points values for you know for a win. Three points in October is three points in March. Zero points are not in October. Is zero, same as zero points in January. You can't just take a, a, a segment of games gone. Oh, if only we'd done that all season. Well, yeah, that's sort of the point of football. If you win more games, you do better. Yeah. But we don't do that. Yeah. Um, so, lads, something I wanted to bring up, uh, which we did mention, I think, maybe two or three episodes ago, was about, well, maybe even more than that. We, we could see, personally, we could see that was it. Start playing some of the youngsters. Now people are starting to say it. I wonder if we actually see the youngsters Saturday. We've got to. Which, that's, that's what my next point. We've got to see them. If we see Youngster Saturday, does that mean that we were still chasing the playoffs as late as Morecambe? Did we still go into Morecambe starting Sean Williams thinking that we were going to make the playoffs? Cowley even said he was. I, I think we were. Cowley what, said it. What's the point? <laughs> because we would have, we could have won that game and it still might not have mattered. But at the same time, in, in Danny's defence, if he was seen to... Not you know to, to sort of look like it was throwing it, just saying that was it. Well, it was mathematically possible. That wouldn't have boded well, would it? That's my that's the point. I mean. Yeah, I, I I get that argument. Look, it, it was still mathematically possible, so let's go for it. Because, however, the flip side is, we and we've said this many a time. If this is a transition season, we've got to be developing and playing our own players. I. <laughs> I had a thought about this, Man, on the, that bloody and word. I had a long time to think about this on the way home from Morgan yesterday. Andy Cullen has come out and said this is a transition season. Oh, he's also <laughs> said Danny Cali would need three uh, transfer windows to build his squad. But Michael Eisner said that they were disappointed with the team's overall performance in November. And on September 1st, after the closure of the summer transfer first window, he called say. this a first-rate squad. A first-rate squad. Not a competitive squad. Not an okay squad. A first-rate squad. First-rate implies you're winning stuff. You're getting jobs done. And you're having bust top parades. We must be the only football club in history to have a first-rate squad that's in a transition season that's disappointed it's not made the playoffs, but realistically acknowledging that it shouldn't have made the playoffs. The only club ever. We're a first-rate squad in a transition season. What the fuck does that mean? I, you know, I, I really worry about... I, and I said this last week. I really worry about this summer transfer window. He has to have the summer transfer windows of all windows because... Bazuni's not going to be here. Carter, probably not going to be here. Williams, is he going to get a new contract? He's 36 now. Probably not. Um, Hurst. But, you know, we, we are in a position where we actually own 
no centre forwards come the end of the season. No, not one, apart from Dan Gifford. <laughs> it, 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 so now, as, as much as I'm excited <laughs> about Dan Gifford, I'm not sure he's firing us to League One promotion. No. See, what you just mentioned there... Where is the where is the problem here? Is it Danny or is it the is it the is it behind I, the scenes? I genuinely think fingers can be pointed all over this football club, and that for me is the biggest problem. If we had one problem as a football club to resolve before next season, that's an unbelievable place to be in. I would love to enter summer knowing that we are one problem away from promotion. I think every football club we're, would like to be one problem away. We've from got promotion. one problem. We need twelve players. <laughs> we've, we've we do, got, yeah, we do. We realistically, we need anywhere between nine to twelve players. Eric Eisner said it in his interview with the club. He, they expect results. He said that. He also I said to be in the championship in three years. He also said. He also said in that interview. Danny has always said it takes three windows to get the spine of your team. Well, we've got no centre forwards. One of your centre midfield players is, is like just recovering from a fractured spine. The other one, Louis Thompson, is out of contract. You got Joe Morrell and um, Raggett Soft and and Tunnicliffe. You got a, you got one of your centre halves on loan. Sean Raggett is out of contract, and your goalkeepers on loan. Where's your spine of your team? We've got no centre. So, so there's, there's want, nine <laughs> players, yeah. and it's only. we want the spine of this team <coughs> to be the strongest it's ever been next season. But we're about to perform major back surgery in the off season. <laughs> well, that's a question. We, if we ever get the opportunity to meet Danny Cowley, is to say, do you regret saying that? Three windows. There's also the <laughs> over my dead body will pump you not make. Now let's playoffs, not mention that. But which, yeah, I mean, people cling on to that. We've clung on to that because it was said. It was said to us. It, it was said to us publicly. All the fans have, have clung on to this three season thing. Stop giving us false hope. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. It's not looking. It's not looking great, is it? Um, and that's why I think the summer is a, a major crossroads, as at Pompey as a club, because it will primarily be the incentive for fans to renew. Heading into August, we'll know what we're up against in terms of the the caliber of player other clubs have signed against what we've signed. We will know. We will know realistically where if, we should lie next season because uh, after one game this season I watched the Fleetwood game and I thought oh it was nice we won that but we're not going up like that and lo and behold I, I called our fate after game one and I think uh, enough fans will again know relatively by the end of August what we're up to and what we're likely to achieve we're, we are approaching a major crossroads I, at this club I think the acid test is if we start the season and we're still looking for two or three players to, to build that spine, we are in deep shit. Oh, there you go. Jeff's summing it up for us. Right. Uh, Favourite feature, which uh, is still the only feature. Jeff, have you thought of a feature yet? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, no, I've been. I reckon that's the. I reckon that is the new feature. Every week we just ask Jeff if he's got a feature, and he I says can, no. I that's the feature. I can come up with stupid questions like yeah. I did on the Twitter space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was. <laughs> you know, like, is a laptop you know a laptop and it's I on the applaud, desk? I applaud everyone <laughs> listening because at at one point we are actually a Pompey podcast. But at one point, we've got like 80 people just listening to Jeff go on about pigeons in Trafalgar Square. <laughs> and they're still engrossed. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I'm not going to lie to you, lads. I didn't tell you, but obviously that weekend we did that podcast. I was in Cardiff. wasn't? I was in Bristol that night. And I was sat in Nando's with my uh, other chicken establishment. It's not other whatever. Chicken establishment. Slaughtered that. I just downed that beer, that's why. Other chicken establishments are available. I had my phones in my ear while I was eating my Nando's listening. It was brilliant. Uh, it's a good job. They're good doing spaces, aren't they? We'll have to do them more often, especially during the um, uh, pre-season and stuff as well. We won't be doing as many podcasts, obviously, because there won't be too much to talk about, but we'll be doing them more often. They're really popular, but yeah, it was good fun, that. Um... But yeah, like I was saying, think of a feature, Jeff. I'll think of one as well. Uh, I have been sent a few. All right. I just haven't decided which one I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, but of course, this uh, next feature, Dub and Dinner of the Week, created by Ryan Stilwell, aka the Glory Hunter Pompey fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> uh, we should, maybe we could um, 
I don't know. We should. Well, this episode, this episode is called Glory Hunter. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Did you see the picture of him? Though he had a face of fun. And what was that? I everyone looked. taking their shoes off for? Oh, we, we were doing a um, insert activity here. If you hate scums, so it was sit down. If you hate scums, because obviously we were on a terrace. Then it was stand up. If you hate scum, then it was bounce around. If you hate scum, then it was shoes off. If you hate the scum, yeah. Because we were bored. The game wasn't that great, and we had nothing to play for. Yeah, we were yeah. bored. Um, and I, I, I looked I looked angry at something, by the way, during that photo. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was probably hunting for some glory or something probably. like that. Probably. But Dub and Dinner of the Week brought to you by Lumberjack Supps. Cheers to, uh, to Matt for sponsoring that. Going strong, our favourite feature. And it's, I tell you what, every time I talk to people about this podcast, they always mention this feature, which is great. Uh, but over to the creator of said segment, Ryan Stilwell. Some good contenders for this week, uh, this longer week. The Lincoln goalkeeper, who had an absolute howler on Friday. Deary me. The penalty, the free kick is a good strike, but he should be saving that. And then the third goal as well. Just, I actually turned away when Raggett took the shot. Because I saw that going straight into his his waiting grasp. Before, oh, never mind. I'll, I'll have a quick word with my, with my dad. And all of a sudden, I hear the collective Whoa! of of the Pompey crowd as Curtis snaps in on it and scores. Fair play to him. I'm a good contender for dinner of the week because I I predicted uh, before kickoff at Lincoln or against Lincoln, Lincoln would actually be our last win of the season. So we'd beat Lincoln, then we wouldn't win the four games following. Also predicted on the way to Morecambe that we'd actually draw 1-1. The reason I am a stupid, moronic little din is it still annoyed me. Before I even drove to Morecambe, I predicted we'd draw 1-1. And I was still bloody annoyed when it happened. And I just sat on the drive home thinking, what did you get annoyed for, Stillwell? You said this would happen. You should have made peace with it long ago. You had five hours on the way up to reconcile with the fact we were going to draw. Then you get annoyed when we drew anyway. Uh, uh, oh, idiotic. Um, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be saying the same when I go to Hillsborough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Morecambe, another good contender for dinner of the week. So anyone who's been to Morecambe knows the layout. But there is only one road that leads to Morecambe's ground. There is only one entrance to Morecambe's ground. You go straight down the middle towards the, the main reception. Now, the home end's off to the left, the away section's off to the right. After the game, the away section is fenced off, separating the away section and the main entrance. The away fans are then sent all the way around the back of the ground to the other side to then head out again what is the only exit and entrance to the ground. Why? To apparently segregate home and away fans well there's only one entrance to the ground there is no other way to leave Morecambe Football Club apart from that one road and also by fencing off the away fans exit you are then sending them behind two of the home stands to then get out of the same exit so by segregating away fans from home fans you are then putting away fans in with the home fans now, because you've then sent away fans around the ground instead of the shortest exit out, because there's only one road out of Morecambe's ground, they shut the car park for a few minutes to let most of the fans get out. But by the time the away fans have circumnavigated the Mazuma Stadium, they then open the car park, which now means you've got the away fans walking into oncoming traffic. Fucking well done. This sounds like AFC Wimbledon over Honestly, it does, it? Hot, terrible organisation. <coughs> That's a good contender. The that. only way you could He's get... He's going red. He's only, going red thinking about it. The only way you could get out... Well, I'm fat. I don't want to walk much, do I? <laughs> the only way you could get out of the fenced off area is if you're on, on the uh, Luckett's coaches in the car park. And a mate of mine said to the steward, my car is next to that Luckett's coach. And it was, because he proved his car registration by... Showing him the car as it was in the car park and then booping it with his key. And they got, no, you got to walk around. But his car's there! Uh. <laughs> Just absurd organisation. You should have said, do you know who I am? Do you know my podcast? <laughs> you let me through. I mean, it's the best, do you know who I am, Flex ever. He literally, 
locked or unlocked and locked his car in front of the steward and he went, no, you have to walk around. Isn't that what they call a job's worth? Jo- jobby's worth, yes. <laughs> um, din of the week, however. Michael Eisner. Woof! Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> I don't care. Hold on, let me get my Kevlar helmet on. I don't care if someone told you that they believed they'd put a first-rate squad together or if you're, if that was your genuine assessment of the squad or if you were just saying it to engage and inspire some optimism among the fans. The fact is we don't hear from Michael Eisner often. So these little tweets that we get every now and then and the, the one AGM video we got in November, that's all we got from him this year. We have hardly any interaction from him. So we have to judge him on what he actually says to the fans. And what he said to the fans after the closure of the transfer window is this is a first-rate squad. Well, Jonah Iunga, from four yards out, somewhere in Narnia, just sent your first-rate squad out of the playoffs with three games to go. And he spunked 10 grand a week on Tyler Walker. First-rate squad. Now, again, I don't care if that's someone feeding that opinion to Michael. He's just then put it on Twitter. As a man of his calibre and a man of his capacity, because you can't doubt his record, you don't fluke your way to being a billionaire. You don't fluke your way to the top of the Disney chain. He's clearly good at stuff before anyone says he's useless. He's clearly not useless. He's clearly a man who's, who's fostered and garnered a fantastic business career out of all of this. But as, as a man of that caliber, you expect every word to be carefully chosen, to be accurately chosen, especially when you don't speak to the fans that much. If you make, uh, if you make one erroneous word out of a million, it's like a leaf in a forest. But if you don't interact with your fans much and there are only 100 words, then every word is scrutinized that little bit more because you don't engage with the fans. We, the fans, are allowed to judge this club based on the actions and the words provided to us by those who operate the club. Now, if we are told this is a first-rate squad, I will judge you thusly. You're not a first-rate squad. You took our season ticket money in the thousands and you delivered a mediocre squad that we have travelled up and down the land for nine months with all of our backing. You may as well have lied to us. Dinner of the week. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jeff's mic for clarity. Can I also throw in a late contender? I know that was a great deal of the week, by the way. But who the hell decided Liverpool Man United on a Tuesday night was a good idea? Uh, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that yeah, that is an un- unfortunate look. Yeah. Before people get my case again, there are parts of this club that they're working on. I'm not saying they have to go. I'm not saying they're useless but I will judge you on what you give the fans that's what that that was his assessment to us as a club in September and what he said and what the end product is it well it's essentially half a league away because we are mid-table and first rate would imply top of the table or at least in the hunt hmm how do we go from there Jeff you know what I, I I echo Ryan's um, comments there, and and why why are we leaving it to a one-all draw at Morecambe to tell us we're out of the playoff contention? We we should be firmly in. This is why I don't sing fucking E I I I O unless we are eighteen points clear at the top of the division, and then oh yeah, we fucked that one up as well, didn't we? Um, but <laughs> you know, I don't sing that song, and I don't sing that song for a reason. And the reason is, like I just said, unless you are 18, 20 points clear at the top of the league, then I'm sorry. Do you know what that is Gloriana? Yeah, but you don't sing it. Why? Why were we singing it on Tuesday night against Rotherham? Okay, yeah, I get it. It was a great three 0 win. But but we're we're still. We're still 10 points behind exactly. sixth place. And we could end up even further away than that. <coughs> now, right. I, will, I will caveat this uh, dinner of the week with an important caveat. Let's say Michael's right. Let's say this is a first-rate squad that we've been provided. 
The blame then lies with Danny Cowley, Nicky Cowley, and the entire playing squad for fucking it up so badly. If that's the case, I will... Several months down the line, in the 22-23 season, I will retroactively change dinner of the week from Michael Eisen to Danny Cowley. Because there are two options here. Either Michael is right, and this is a first-rate squad, that the brothers Cowley and the entire playing squad have managed to completely fuck up what should have been a promotion season in Michael's eyes, or Michael doesn't know what a first-rate squad is. Is either of those outcomes good? I mean, you can't actually... I don't think that's not going to happen because half these players aren't going to be here. But are, are either of those outcomes good? Either Michael doesn't know what a good squad is or the Cowleys and the players have screwed up what was a good squad. Neither of those outcomes are good. Yeah. And that's why, for me, this... That's why, for me, communication and the consistency of your communication is something I highlighted in the earlier, this, earlier in the season. The terminology disparity between certain figures of the club it's easily noticeable if you look for more than two seconds and it is it is worrying so that's why for dinner of the week I thought with the with the playoffs mathematically being ruled out I'd take us back to the very first public declaration of what the quality of the squad was a first rate squad that was apparently in a transition season make make of that twisted logic what you will all season we've heard we've heard conflicting comments coming out of the board, the management team, players. It's it's just been a mismatch of It needs to be whatever. far more harmonious next year. This club needs to get off to a very unified start. The m- Sheffield Wednesday's what, April thirty? So it's the last day of April. First of May, we need to be a unified front of this club because publicly via the medium of the news and indirect articles we have not been all season and it's so obvious yeah well the end of season review is going to be interesting lads but before then we've still got three games to play moving on next one uh, Saturday Gillingham and uh, you've forgotten <coughs> double the week oh shit sorry dinner of the week goes to me for forgetting double the week double the week go on uh, good contender for Dub of the Week was actually Jeff taking his boy to his first game Yay. and ta- picking a very good game to go to. Uh, contender for Dub of the Week also goes to Ronan Curtis. Scored the winner against Leakin, got an assist in the Morecambe uh, game and of course announced that he and his good lady are expecting yeah. uh, a child after the, the t- heartbreaking news that uh, she's had uh, two miscarriages uh, I think during the course of this one season alone, actually, and you know, I became a, a father myself a week before you the season mentioned. started. It's it's yeah, awful. I can't yeah, I can't think of. I really it can't think of anything worse. Um, so I'm I'm <clears throat> elated for him because he's got a lot of stick, and I don't mean stick as a footballer because we always on this podcast try to limit our critiques of players and staff members at this football club as it relates to their profession but Curtis has been getting a lot of shit a lot of flack and it's 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 not acceptable and it looks even worse in the face of what he and his, his good lady have gone through so the fact that Curtis has still tried to ply his trade as best he can you can see he still works hard in games despite everything he's gone through can't have been easy for him to then get a goal that wins a game to then get an assist which almost won a game and to to have yeah to, to announce that they're expecting that's a good week overall for him and I wish him and his lady the, the best of luck again like I, I couldn't imagine anything worse than that happened to you and I, I hope yeah and I oh you don't mention that you've become far Ryan that's because it is genuinely one of it is yeah. the best thing that can it happen is. to you it really it really really is the best of luck to him and his lady uh, I really hope it goes well for them because it is the most rewarding thing three dads in the pub three dads in the pub <laughs> uh, so I thought Curtis was a uh, a really good contender um but I'll I'll pass over to, I'll pass over to Jeff for dub because he has essentially suggested a, a double the week contender and it it is a new one He's forgotten. <laughs> Deal of the week. Oh, Jeff Harris. He's literally sat there. Are you so right, Jeff? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Have you forgotten Dub of the Week? 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not cutting I this out. I'm doing it next week. <laughs> no, why are we next week? It was this. It's already. Oh, right, we're doing this I'm week. Not, I'm not cutting this out. Genuinely, <laughs> this is staying in. The lucky cave. So me. this is as you get it. Raw are as we anything. We're talking about <laughs> my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. So, so my, my two boys are down down at the front, uh, fat and then behind the guy, watching uh, Ollie Webber and, and and Toby Stewart warm up, and um, Toby Stewart said to little one. He's going to give me shirt, and so obviously he's elated. He's going to get a goalkeeper's shirt. You, you know, obviously he wasn't allowed to. The kit man stopped it, so on and so forth. So I, I, I just put out on Twitter on Saturday, um, sorry, Friday evening, um, about you know Joshua's first game. He absolutely loved it. He thought he was going to get Toby Stewart's shirt, and then I get a, a, a DM from Toby's dad. And Toby um, remembers Joshua uh, and is actually going to give Joshua a signed pair of goalkeeper's gloves. Well, fair play. For his first game at Fatton Park. Yeah, fair play. So it pays off being a Karen sometimes, moaning on Twitter, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, fair play. So, so, yeah, sorry I was totally bamboozled there, right? <laughs> I'm still not cutting that I out. thought I'd given him a, a nice, smooth segue. <laughs> and it was like, we're experiencing technical, dif- <laughs> de- technical difficulties at the moment. Please try yeah, again. There you go. Dub and Dinner the Week brought to you by the Lumberjack Subs Comp- uh, Company. I thought, what Thank a genuinely nice young man. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, lads, moving on then. Uh, like I said, three games left. And the reason I smile when I say Gillingham, can you hear me? Now I can. The reason I smile when I say Gillingham is because we're likely to see a face that we haven't spoken about for a good couple of months now because the rumour was finally put to bed that he's not joining us. Ten Bombson. Ten Bombson. <laughs> the return. Yeah. What sort of reception do you reckon he'll get on Saturday? Oh, right? we'll get a good reception. I hope so. I think there'll be a few, few rounds of sign him up. We've seen you before. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, but well, what do we do? When do we, what do we do for the last? Well, let's just. Well, how do we approach the next game, Jeff? Like, like we were saying earlier, you've got to start the youngsters. I, I, I still think there is there is a few things to play for. There's pride to play for. There's your final league standard to play for. Obviously, the higher up you get, the more league money you get. Um, Although I don't think there's going to be a lot of difference between 8th place and ninth place. Um, but if we are to attract better players next season and in the summer transfer window, that we are going to need to finish up as high as possible to attract those players. Because if we, if we finish anywhere between 10th down to 12th, those players are going, nah, you're bang average league one side. I want promotion. Sean Nugget said it in the week. You know, he came to Pompey to get promotion. I, I read Sean Maggot's comments, and I don't, I don't think he'll be here next season. I hope, I hope he is. I hope I'm proved wrong. But you know, if we are building for next season, you've got to, you've got to put players out there that are going to be there. Unfortunately, we don't have too many options in the in the central defensive uh, department to put in there. So you've got to go with with your normal back four. But for the rest of the makeup of the team, I, I'd, I'd, why not put Jurit White on, on or Jay Mingi in there alongside an experienced player? Play him a half each. Bring, play Jurit White for the first half, Jay Mingi for the second half. Why not? What I should do with the goalkeeper situation? Put why, Ollie Webber in. Why, why play Bazunu? No offence to Bazunu, it's not a slight against him at all, but why play him? Put Ollie Weber and Toby Stewart on the bench. What can you learn about Bazuna you haven't already learned? That he, uh, we've already learned he's too good for this division. Now, Ollie Weber, I checked this the other day. I don't think he's ever played a professional football game. Ever. He's 21. Get him on the field. Yeah, definitely. Similar to Craig McGiveaway, isn't it? Yeah. So... I don't, I don't see why Weber doesn't play because if he's going to be the number two next season to insert goalkeeper here because it might not be Bass he has to play a professional football game if he's going to be a professional goalkeeper it it sounds very captain obvious to say it out loud but he, he hasn't so that's got to be the objective the one inescapable con- conclusion I will form after Saturday if Jay Mingy doesn't play is that he is not good enough 
If Jay Mingy does not play a single minute on Saturday, it's because he's not good enough. Or at least that's the assessment brothers Cowley make of him. Because he would have played otherwise. And we allegedly turned down a lot of money for him from Wrexham. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say Wrexham apparently came in during the, the winter window. There you go. So that <coughs> that's that. Obviously, what are you, what's your predictions for that game for Gillian? I've got us down as a win. I think it'll be a scrappy 1-0. Ryan? I said before the Lincoln game, I said Lincoln will be our last win. I have us going Lincoln win, Morecambe draw. Gillingham draw, Wigan defeat, Sheffield Wednesday draw. I, re I, I foresee uh, Sheffield Wednesday needing to be a win and in scenario for the playoffs, <laughs> and we pull one last act of shithousery to take uh, two points off them, and everyone gets to walk home miserable. Lovely. But as for <laughs> Gillingham, I, 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 think, I think we draw against what will be, similarly to Morecambe, a very spirited, we're not going quietly into the night Gillingham side. There you go. Any um, last bits, lads? I mean, we'll, we'll save the like comments for people saying that's it for the season for the last I think it's end of the season review because that'll be an interesting episode and we'll try and get as many fan opinions on as we can. Um, plus some other bits as well. But yeah, anything else you want to add in this week? Oh, I think we're all good. Yeah, good to be back, lads. It's yes, been, it's been nonsense since we lasted this year it's good to get back to a routine it is indeed and uh, thanks for the ongoing support I mean support. That, that said we're doing our next podcast on a Monday but yeah <laughs> I mean some busy bollocks is busy again on Sunday oh that's me uh, yeah apologies it's that time of the year it's, it's crazy busy in my industry so but yeah at least we still get these podcasts out and thanks to the ongoing support for new Pompey fans as well we appreciate it and uh, we're growing stronger and stronger every week couldn't do it without you guys listening so thank you very much uh, for listening to three lads in the bar thanks to the guys at the festing uh, great hospitality we've got the game on now so we're going to join us for our points and uh, watch this game of uh, against Liverpool and United and uh, we'll be back next week for episode 20 of three lads in the pub cheers sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.